1: Hello everyone and welcome to the March tenth, two 2006 edition of The Relevant Podcast, the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang and here with me is the editorial crew, editorial director Kara Davis.
2: Good morning or evening.
1: (laughs) Managing (laughs) editor Tyler Clark. Yeah, I'm really not sure how to follow that. And Jesse Carey. Good night and good luck. And over (laughs) on the ones and twos is Flynn Atkins. Who will uh, be heading out on the road with his group, LA Symphony, uh, touring Hawaii later this month. So check out LASymphony.com for tour dates.
2: Lucky dog.
3: I heard he'll also be an extra on Lost. He gets (laughs) eaten by a polar bear. (laughs) Or Dog the Bounty Hunter.
1: An invisible polar bear? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coming out in entertainment this week, today we have The Hills Have Eyes coming out. Scary. Yeah, starring a bunch of uh, people who are freaky looking. Yeah. It's about the uh, nuclear...
4: It's I think it's like a cult classic remake of uh like one of Wes Craven's original movies. Really? Yeah, that's I I'm pretty sure that's what I heard.
1: Uh Failure to Launch, starring Matthew McConaughey, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Bates mm. and I, and um the bald football huh? guy. Terry, Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. I will
3: see that movie, whether I want to or not. <laughs>
1: Because yeah. you're newly married.
3: Yes. Is
4: your wife a Sarah Jessica fan?
3: She is. We saw or saw she is Matthew a Matthew McConaughey ago, fan? A few weeks ago. Hello. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: uh, also, The Libertine starring Johnny Depp, uh, Samantha Morton, John Malkovich. I don't know much about that movie, but I think it looks awesome. Anything with John Malkovich, I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Johnny
4: Depp, he's always good too. Right?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, if you guys don't like so, Johnny says, Depp movies. Says Tyler's wife. <laughs> 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 and and uh, this is Jesse's favorite, the Shaggy Dog, starring yes. Tim Allen, mm-hmm. Kristen Davis, and Craig Kilborn.
4: Oh. Quality <laughs> for Tim Allen. <laughs> Remember yeah. Tool Time, guys?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's awesome stuff. Music coming out on Tuesday. Uh, we <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at this, but we have Willie Nelson. <laughs> no you don't way. know me. Lost Highway. Uh, no effects. Never trust a hippie EP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grand National kicking the national habit on Sunday Best. Building four twenty nine, uh, it's called Rise, it's on re- reunion records. Watermark, a Grateful People. Oh, that's that's pleasant sounding. Mm-hmm. It's a live town. album, I'm
3: not sure, but I believe it's a live album.
1: And Paul Wright, the best songs you've not heard on Goatee. Hmm. Hmm. So hmm. basically every song that I will hear for the rest of my life, the best ones are on this album. That's pretty that's the a best bold songs claim. you've not heard mm-hmm. or you've never heard. Wow, that's good stuff. All right, that'll do it for entertainment releases this week. Up next, Slices. You're listening to Irving. The song is Situation, and earlier in the podcast, you heard Oasis: The Importance of Being Idle. Both of which are playing this week on Relevant TV.
3: Jesse and I, along with uh, Corey from Relevant, uh, have talked about forming an Oasis cover band. Mm-hmm. It'll be pretty awesome. We're working on names. If you mm-hmm. have some good uh, names for an Oasis cover band, send them to us.
1: It couldn't be any worse than the actual group. So, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Cameron. <laughs> So that's uh, what you're listening to. All right, here's slices. Take it away, Kara.
2: The Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum has a new exhibit opening today on, of all people, Ray Charles. Really? Yeah. Um, they'll have artifacts, instruments. Well,
1: he, didn't he have a country album?
2: Yeah, he actually, you know, recorded a few country standards, and he used to make appearances on like, um, you know, country music television shows and. I don't know. He was a buddy to some of the country music singers. And I guess because of his, um, uh, you know, like when he was growing up, he'd listen to the Grand Ole Opry and stuff like that. So There you go.
1: I have some music news here. Um, Former relevant cover band, Mute Math, is in the news. They are suing uh, their record label, Warner Music Group, over the fact that they're trying to market them as a Christian band. Uh, They've been frustrated... Uh, by how the label was treating their record and not releasing it on the mainstream side and releasing it under the Christian label of Word. And so they're suing to get out of their contract. They, uh, they The band decided to independently release the album um, at their shows and on their website uh, last month. And they supposedly have sold over um, uh, 10,000 copies in a month of their album that was supposed to come out on Word. Oh, um, wow. And the reason why they're taking that you know, going ahead and doing that is they're saying that when um, kind of word and Warner misrepresented uh, some things when they signed them, and that by by misrepresentation they breached the contract, which voids it, so they're free and they are releasing it independently. So wow, it's that's, a messy situation.
3: That's dangerous though, because if the courts don't agree, then Warner Brothers could sue them. Yeah, couldn't they?
1: yeah. Well, Paul Meany uh, from the group uh, says he never wanted the EP that came out on word to be on word, um, because it's a Christian brand. He says, quote, it was just assumed that because that's where I once was because he used to be in the group earth suit. Yeah. Um, that that's where I was always going to be. Uh, he said, I had no desire to be the Christian version of a real band. Um, he Mm. said we had an offer to do a deal with EMI Christian music group, uh, but didn't do it because they weren't promised that they would have direct access to capital and virgin. They want, um, he says we wanted total mainstream credibility and then have it, then have it sold back into the Christian market. If it were successful in the mainstream, um, meaning it's not a question of faith. He said that they are openly Christian and the band is openly Christian. Um, and he says, we're not the first band to share these challenges and there are going to be a lot of Christian fans upset, but I believe the majority of our fans in the Christian community are in support of what we're doing. Um, the band's still touring. Uh, they they sell about 100 copies a day of their album on their store online. Um, they sell out 500 capacity venues left and right. And Meany says, Warner Brothers was yanking our chains. We were being fed a bunch of lines to comply and give them the new CD. But we were going to market it uh, the exact way we... But they were going to market it the exact way that we didn't want. Um, Warner won't comment because it's pending litigation. Um, but, you know, it's it's getting to be really messy. And this this isn't the first time a band has had this situation... Um, for over the last five years, there have been a number of groups that, you know, uh, maybe didn't quite fit the Christian music scene, but the Christian label tried to force them into a, a kind of a box or an image that didn't really fit their music, and so it kind of created some problems. I mean, go all the way back to Sixpence on the Richer and Chevelle and Ellie Symphony and some others that that just uh, it's been it's been difficult. So I think this is not the end. This is actually the beginning of probably. Some mm-hmm. major change in the Christian music <clears throat> industry, and
4: I think Mute Math's a band that they're pretty heavily courted by a lot of labels right now. So if things fall through with Warner and well, they're
1: able to get out of their contract, yeah, the big thing is what's going to resolve here. I mean, because yeah, I mean they the article quotes um, several major uh, labels that are, are wanting them, but they can't go sign because of the litigation, and so yeah. you're you're looking at you know they could be just in limbo forever. Mm-hmm. Um, or for a long time. And so in the meantime, they're just, Hey, we're going to put it out ourselves, you know, f- yeah. forget the labels. There's so an I mean,
3: interesting, uh, uh, thread on the message board on the, uh, progressive culture section about it. Um, different people giving different opinions on one side or the other. So check it out.
1: You're not gonna like <laughs> know, Talk no about teaser anybody.
3: just. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because some people are are very much in support of, of mute math and think that they should you know that they shouldn't really be marketed to exclusively to the Christian scene. Other people feel that you know they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. What a lot of people are asking is why did they do the Christian mu- the Christian music festivals and do a lot of that stuff. Um, to to now turn around and say oh we weren't really this and other people were saying well it wasn't them doing it it was their label making them do it so just some interesting thoughts on both sides
1: I remember when they were here this was uh, you know a year a year and, ago yeah no more than that they were here about a year and a half ago yeah, yeah. a little over um, they were in the process of about they were about to record the album and then about eleven months ago I was in Nashville I was, I was actually with them when they were recording it they were um, heard some of the tracks and stuff is. They were excited. I mean, what was happening at that moment in time was was what Word or Warner was saying, that they were going to release it through the mainstream on Warner and they were going to release it into Christian through Word. And I guess what changed after that was just they were going to release it through Word. It would be a Word album. And so the band just felt like they were promised one thing and then the label changed it. Yeah, they, they knew what they were doing when they signed, but I, I fully believe that they were led to believe that it would they would be given mainstream access to the Warner Brothers system, you know. Yeah. So well, anyway. Hopefully Hopefully we'll it's resolved soon. Yeah. It's, it's they're an incredible band, they're making great music. And it's it's unfortunate that, you know, it's kinda getting ugly like this. But yeah. like I said, it's not the first band and they mm. won't be the last. Yeah. So, so.
3: Well is this is this, are they the first band that anyone knows of to sue the label like this?
1: I well, I don't know what went behind the scenes with some other groups like mm-hmm. Sixpence and stuff. I know, I know LA symphony and Flynn, feel free to chime in on this, uh, was caught in a similar situation though. It didn't go the legal
0: route. Yeah, definitely. We, um, we actually tried to go the legal route ourselves with the, uh, label that we were kind of caught up with. Um, our attorney sent some letters saying, Hey, you've breached. And there were like four different, uh, areas where they had breached and, was you know, it was it the same thing that they're going through where you felt yeah, like you were promised one thing and then they changed it? Most definitely when we signed, you know, we signed with uh Squint and Steve Taylor then had, you know, said, "Hey, we're taking you straight to MTV. We want to take you to, you know, Top 40. That's why we want you working with Black IP's and Mario C with Beastie Boys and all that." So that was definitely what we we were being told and they invested that kind of money in it. But then along the the road um that label's financial backing went under and the label got bought by another label. And it was that label that, um, necessarily didn't see our vision and, and kind of wanted to, uh, we, we don't know if they were able to see our, our vision the way that we felt the original squint had. So, and I don't know if I can even, you aren't, know,
1: aren't there like, aren't there a lot of artists that, that maybe desire to go mainstream, but they just, you know, they just have to, they, you know what i mean like they, yeah. they just feel trapped in the christian industry but rather than walking away they they just kind of live with it and
0: yeah it's it's a it's 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 a frustration i see a lot with artists even you know with ourselves um there you know as christians you always feel like man i don't want to ever deny you know the christian market because you know a lot of us grew up in that and um but at the same token i think you want to you want to get out there and make music for the world and you trust that i think a lot of times it's misleading you you may see that oh they're owned by a bigger company that might be a general market company so you go ahead and assume well the doors will open so it, because it, you
1: see like a switch foot. Right. Where
0: they they didn't really have to change that much. They
1: just Right. the it happened right for them. Right. They started in the Christian, they got that fan base, they carried the fan base over It happened for POD the same way. Yeah.
0: It's 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 always a, a fine line, you know, because you can always see it as, well, this is this is a door open and and you know what I mean? It, it's hard to think, well, I could be waiting another 3 years and, you know, so I think a lot of times artists will take you know that door that's open for them and uh, just hope for the best. Even if
1: it's just in the Christian market.
0: Yeah, even if it's just in the Christian market. And I think a lot of times we as artists just aren't honest with ourselves and, and, and really saying, is this? if I never get outside of this market, am I going to be comfortable with that? Or am I always going to say, you know, what if I shoulda, coulda, woulda? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I know there are a lot of groups right now that are signed to Christian labels that feel that way. And it's it's just unfortunate and you know it, it's
1: do you it, feel the industry's changing though i mean cause like i on one hand you see the fact that christian market groups yeah. are selling outside of the christian market so yeah i mean you know an outsider would look at that and say well yeah sign with the christian label because if your album does well it will get exposure outside right, and right. then like all of a sudden you see this situation with mute math yeah. and it's like it's almost like you could see why some people would say well why would they why would they sue them before the album even was able to come out? Why right. not just put this album out with them? And if if it doesn't break out or cross over like they promised, right. then on the next album walk away. But yeah. why why would they not even give Word the chance? Is it do they really feel that Word would cause irreparable damage to their their band name? Yeah,
0: I I, I mean I definitely think that's true. Even with. You know, LA Symphony, we deal with that, you know, having associated with a, a Christian label, uh, and we're currently signed with one that's, you know, rooted in the Christian industry, um, we still deal with that. And it's not something like, oh, we hate or dread, but it's it, it's definitely something that you have to be delicate with when branding your name as a group and, and what you Really want ultimately your goal to be, and how you think you can achieve it. You know? It just it just
1: seems interesting to me that like a Reliant K is yeah. on is on a is on your label, yeah. And Go then to. and then for some reason somebody on the mainstream side took a liking to it and yeah. broke them. And it's right. like you know I guess an outsider would look at it and say, well, any Christian label has that opportunity if the album's right or whatever, right? right. But you're saying that you know some bands feel that just being on that Christian label causes irreparable damage to their band name. But yeah. it hasn't with Reliant K.
0: No, it a lot of it's also timing. If um I mean Reliant K was has always been making great music and I think they came in at a time where that music was widely accepted in the Christian market, so I think it made sense that they were able to sell a lot of records. And they're very, so you, they're so a very hard working group.
1: They too. they sold a lot of records in the Christian, and right. that got the interest of the mainstream. Yeah,
0: most definitely. Yeah. I think a large percentage of their record sales were were in the Christian market as well as general market. Sure. Um, but you know, all along their core market was through you know goatee in the Christian market. Sure. And I think that. That definitely expanded their whole... And New
1: Math is just saying we don't even want the Jesus tag. Even though we're all openly Christian, we don't want to be on a Christian label. They want to be more like Thrice where they're just a band and they just happen to have Christians in the band.
3: Well, it seems that a lot of of bands uh, fear that label as though if they're labeled a Christian band, they'll never make it. But I, I, I agree with you, Cameron, that you've... I think now more than ever, you're seeing bands like you know your uh, Relient K and Switchfoot, and even bands um, like like Mercy Me had a huge mainstream radio yeah. hit, yeah. and they're a very very much a Christian band, and they yeah. had a huge mainstream
1: hit. But it's it's the Christian band Mercy Me, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I guess there's some bands who don't even want yeah. that tag. They, yeah. I would say Thrice is case in point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Thrice, bunch of Christian dudes. We've mm-hmm. covered them, but nobody would right. think that they're a Christian band. Right. You mm-hmm. know, even though their their lyrics are deep and the whole nine, but mm-hmm. and I guess some bands just want that. And then I guess you mentioned on the message board some people saying, Well, if, if they wanted it to be thrice, why would Meat Math have ever even talked to Word Records?
3: Right. Yeah. No. Why would why would they be playing, you know, these Christian music creation festivals. or whatever or, yeah it's, it's an interesting we love mute math I, yeah. I
1: don't want this to sound at all like we're criticizing no, no, mute no. math we, the guys are friends we love them their music's incredible if you don't have the album absolutely go to their store and get it because yeah. it's unbelievable but yeah. you know it's just I guess it's a paradox and it's a it's a situation that every artist has to think through mm-hmm. you know it's like what's the mission of the Christian music industry what's mm-hmm. the benefits in being in the Christian mu- music industry can it harm you you know it you look at examples where it not harm people like Reliant K and others and you look at some bands that maybe didn't get a fair shot in the mainstream because they were, you know, typecast a, a Christian group. So, right. man, there's pros and cons on both sides, I yeah. guess. And I guess a band just needs to do what it feels mm-hmm. strongly about.
3: Definitely. Yeah, I do think that um, the mainstream market is open to to Christians and to the Christian label more than they've ever been. And I think that's exciting. Um, for a number of reasons,
1: I've always yeah. said that that if you put if you make good music, mm-hmm. it'll sell or it'll get played regardless of the lyrical content. Regardless, yeah. Yeah. if you make catchy music that people want to hear, who you can say whatever you want to say. I've always felt that way because Mercy Me is a great case in point. It's a freaking praise song, mm-hmm. and it was like the number one played song in the country.
3: Well, you know yeah. what's interesting and is Butterfly f- Kisses. Exactly, <laughs> you
1: find it the other way where where there's a lot of like really
3: vulgar stuff on the radio. That I think a lot of people listening to it kind of find offensive, but it's they're good songs. Catchy, yeah. yeah, It's catchy. Maroon
2: Five songs that you know, Mm -hmm. my mom, and dad are singing to. You know, it's like what you don't
3: even realize what they're saying. Yeah, Yeah. it's like we need to be doing that on the other end. It's like you know, I think if we're making music that's good enough, people are going to listen to it.
1: Well, and there is a a radio game. You know, there it's a it's a corrupt Mm -hmm. industry that outsiders don't understand. You know the whole clear channel monopoly and all that.
0: Yeah, I think exactly. That's, that's kind of one of the things I want to say is it it goes back to a lot of relationships. You know, it's just like any other business. There are a lot of key relationships that have to be formed along the way. And if you're signing to a label that might not have those relationships or access or means to those relationships, then it's going to be harder for you to get radio. Yeah. It's the same thing
1: with us, with book publishing and distribution. You know, we're the young guys, we're the, we're a small company and, it's hard for us to get a front table at Barnes & Noble, yeah. whereas Penguin or some other massive publisher just has to call them and say, here's the book you're going to put on your front table. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there scratching and clawing and begging to try and get that same placement. We just don't get the same consideration.
4: Well, yeah. at least like the way that Mute Math is doing it, and there like so many other bands, they have like a, a killer MySpace page, their website. I mean, you look at a band like Clap Your Hands Say Yeah. They didn't have a record. yeah. Come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they didn't have a record. That's my favorite joke when when I clap (laughs) your hands. But they didn't have a record contract, but they're one of the most, you know, like they're the buzz band right now, and they did it all through their website, through MySpace. And I mean, it's the same way Mute Math, selling 10,000 albums a month and they have a MySpace page, mm-hmm. you know? So at least like bands are able to empower themselves with, you know, so maybe, maybe grassroots marketing. Maybe
1: that even emboldens them to say, I don't need you label. If yeah. you're going to force me into something that's not me, I'll just go do it myself. Well,
3: and because of, be- with Clap Your Hands, Say Yap, yeah, uh, selling all those albums now, um, now they're in Target. They're in these retailers that yeah. before, you know, a year ago... There's no way that an unsigned band could have could be sold in a place no like Target. Kidding.
1: And they're still unsigned?
3: as far as I know, yeah. As
0: far as I know, as yeah. I, know, yeah. yeah. I, I trip out on it every time I go into Target and see That's that. crazy. It's, yeah. I have no idea how they've done that. The only thing yeah. I can think is, you know, somehow somebody with retail, you know, was really like we got to wow. support this.
3: And c- you know that if they ever do sign, they're going to get exactly the deal they want totally. because they've already proven that they can do it on their own. Mm-hmm. They don't need yeah. this
1: label. So this is going to make it hard, I mean, to, in some respects, harder for Christian labels to attract buzz artists and whatnot because yeah. if they can, through MySpace and whatnot, go get their own following, mm-hmm. sold 10,000 copies of their album, it's almost like, why do I need to take a Christian yeah. market deal? I can reach the Christian fans from MySpace and I can also reach who I want to reach. Like yeah. Lee Nash? Like, the, yeah. yeah. Became, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Get Lee Nash, the new cover story for Relevant, she's releasing her new album in August independently on her own on her own la- uh, label. And uh, she's got New York management. She's got mm-hmm. cover stories. Rolling Stone just did a piece on her. Mm-hmm. She's get- Relevant Magazine just did a piece on her too. Oh, well, that was
3: my That's referencing big news. cover stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I just, I, I, I just want to hear our name in the same sentence as, as Rolling Stone. Rolling so. Stone
1: and Relevant are covering her. <laughs> and, you know, she's doing it independently. Maybe, I hate to say it, because, I mean, honestly, we have a great relationship with a lot of, Christian labels and they advertise tooth and nail and goatee, goatee is our back cover. But it might it might be that the music industry's changing.
4: Yeah, and well, you look at you know, MySpace is now one of the top four websites in the world, but the guy that started if you read like the history the guy Tom, who's everyone's friend when you first sign on, he like he started it for bands and music. He wanted mm-hmm. to start his own little indie rock community and then it exploded into this you just you know, crazy thing. But a lot of, at the same time, like things like pure volume and and these things that, uh, what's the other one band, uh, where you can, there's, there's lots of websites where band can just go make free profiles and make their music available. And it's just empowering independent artists. So,
3: and I think that ultimately, as far as, and who knows, I can't predict the future, but I think that for the labels, it will challenge them to become better because I think that these labels are going to have to find better music and make better records um, than
1: it, what somebody could do independently. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And they're going to have to do better than what they're doing now. Not saying that, you know, everybody's doing a, a bad job or anything, but I think it's this thing of, if you want to really be able to sell, you've got to be able to do it better than what these people are doing. You got to be able to do it better than what you're doing. Or now.
1: you, you got to bring yeah. to the plate, the radio connections and the distribution yeah. that mm-hmm. you can't get independently. So
3: ultimately I think it's a good thing for music. I think it'll, it'll force everyone to to step up their game.
1: It'll make label music Better, mm-hmm. It'll absolutely make label music better. I think you may make a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Christian industry is in a, a kind of a identity crisis right now. Are they making music for the church or are they making music like, like Reliant K that's made by Christians and is happy and it, you know, could impact culture and it could be accessible to the mainstream. And I think you have kind of different labels with different missions. Obviously mm-hmm. you really do. I mean, um, but which is I, fine. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. It, it, that's why I never mm-hmm. think. That, I think there's always going to be a need for the Christian music industry because there will always be need for music about Christ that uplifts the church. Mm-hmm. That's for Christians. It's a for <laughs> it's about and for our faith. But I also think there's going to be a lot of bands like we're been talking about. That happen to be Christians that don't necessarily want to only speak to the church. They want to speak to culture. Just make music. Make art. And I think that's kind of what the Christian industry hasn't figured out what to do with those artists. You know, it's like they, they, they've they never kind of fit the for the church, by the church mold, and so what do we do with them? I mean, Jars of Clay honestly is in the same boat. I mean, the last couple of albums, they've made Christian industry albums, but their heart is to be out there at Live 8 and to be out there in the mainstream music mm-hmm. scene, and they kind of need to make a certain kind of music to sell in Family Christian Store to make their label happy but it'll be interesting to see what they do after their next album because it's their last album on a Christian label.
3: I think a lot of this conversation is interesting because it, some of it applies to, to us as well where we kind of have a foot in both worlds. Um, I think when we, when we're, when, when we're thinking about covers, for example, you know, we, we sell in family Christian store and we have a lot of, um, a lot of Christian readers who are concerned with that. And when we do a cover, like when we did the, the Moby cover, um, you know, there are people in, in um, the Christian retail industry who I think are kind of question question that kind of thing. But if we only did the really super Jesus-y, you know, Christian rock covers, the mainstream's not going to pay attention to that as well. And so I think it's interesting. It's, it's a line that we walk as well where we're trying to – we wanna, want to appeal both to um, the Christian readers. We want to do something for the church. At the same time, we want to do something – that has, um, well, if somebody's on a,
1: that. on a spiritual journey, um, yeah, we yeah. kind of want to have a dual appeal where we're, we're talking to Christians and we're challenging, mm-hmm. uh, them, it, we're challenging the box that they put God in because we've all put God in a box to whatever degree, and we want to challenge that. And then on the flip side, the other end of the spectrum, we want to engage people who are kind of spiritually curious or on a spiritual journey of some sort, we want to mm-hmm. engage them about Christ. And so it's like if you're if you couldn't give a flying flip about God, relevance not for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, we've never pretended that it is, but whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or you, you haven't come to know Christ, but you've been asking questions of why am I here? And is there something bigger than me? Then we want to talk to you and we're not trying to overtly evangelize you, but we want to talk to you in a way that you can connect with. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that's a little different than, you know, maybe what math is wanting to do and just making, or artists want to do that or just want to make music. I just want to make music. We actually do have a purpose You know, uh, kind of a a mission that Mm -hmm. we're pursuing. Uh, But I I agree with you that we have to ride the line between appealing to the Christian market and appealing to the mainstream market. Um, You know, I would say we're Switchfoot esque, Reliant K esque in that point. -hmm. point. You know, it's like we can't hide our faith because that's who we are, but we also want to make stuff that's creatively on par and make a magazine that's just respected because it's just a good magazine. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, It's just it's a question that isn't going to be easily resolved. But I definitely see that the Christian music industry is changing over the last five years, especially. Mm. And uh, you know, on the good side, you got bands who are in the Christian music industry that are getting access to mainstream because of large parent companies. On the negative side, you have bands like Mute Math that don't want to necessarily make Jesus music. They just want to make music, and they don't want to be typecast, and so they don't feel like they fit in that industry at all, or at least not primarily, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Well, size, size has got kind of <coughs> sidetracked.
2: <laughs> there's another whole parallel conversation that could be made about, um, Christian bookstores and, you know, with all the, the chains selling Christian books, you know, what, why even have Christian bookstores anymore? And many of them are, are suffering because of that. Cause, and, cause I could go into Barnes and Noble now <coughs> right. and
1: there's, probably almost just as many Christian books in Barnes Noble as there are in a Christian bookstore.
2: So the argument is being made that Christian bookstores need to stock the things that they, you know, even more specific Christian things that they wouldn't be able to find at a Barnes Noble or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the argument in, in the Christian industry is they're saying, well, if Walmart or Barnes is going to carry these big selling books or whatever what I need to do is carry the obscure stuff that they won't touch Mm -hmm. I need to have the gift items the deep Bible study stuff the the Christian music that won't be in the mainstream stores which actually I think is a viable niche Mm -hmm. and a viable need Um, because you know five years ago Barnes and Walmart and them they weren't carrying Christian product at all and now it's the fastest growing segment in the publishing industry and so everybody's jumping on the bandwagon We've reaped a little bit of benefit from that, <laughs> you know, getting access to borders and a lot of, you know, a lot of attention and books a million and stuff like that. But, you know, it's uh, it's yeah, like you said, it's it's making Christian bookstores change who they are and what they're doing.
0: Yeah, this is a great transition because Jesse and I uh, are coming out. We're bringing back the flannel graph for everyone. Look for it. What?
1: Relevant flannel graph. The
0: relevant <laughs> flannel so graph. So we'll be able to find that
1: in Christian bookstores?
0: Yeah, it's a niche. Well,
4: I'd like to have a crossover flannel graph, but, you know, it's a tough industry, and I know I'm going to take some heat for it, sell out. Is he a Christian anymore? Are you going to have a Jesus figure in it? You know, the market will dictate it, I guess. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's the times we live in, right, Flynn? You're
0: totally right.
4: (laughs) Any other slices?
0: Don't worry. We'll cut it out. (laughs)
2: The April issue of Consumer Reports uh, mentions that owning hybrids is actually more expensive than their gasoline-powered... No. Yeah. How? Uh, well, it's from they, they cost more up front, and they don't retain their resale value.
1: Oh, so it's not operating them. It's the buying and selling them.
2: Right, and maintenance and things like that. It could cost anywhere from 3700 to 13000 more over over a five-year period oh. than the gasoline model but so that was what came out like a few days ago and then on wednesday consumer reports said that they made an error and there were actually two hybrids um toyota the prius prius prius, prius and a honda civic um you actually save money but it's like 400 dollars for the toyota and 300 dollars for the civic so but it's not much years. right but
1: it does take less gas right Yeah, it's not necessarily.
2: But it's saying overall, it's not, if you're wanting to save money by buying a hybrid, it's not a good reason to buy it.
1: So you don't do it to save money,
4: you do it to to save the environment. environment, (laughs) Kind of along the lines of energy conservation. I got a, one of our designers, Sean, has this magazine, technology magazine called Discover, and it has a really interesting article about this company that for years has been developing this technology that recycles like. It's recycling turkey guts, car <laughs> old car parts, and even raw sewage, and turning it into oil. Like Ra- raw
1: sewage, raw sewage It's
2: well, well, oil. Who yeah. has turkey guts laying around?
1: Well, uh, we got enough raw sewage though.
4: <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, like I guess, like process food
1: Tyler processing plants. <laughs> what? <Huh? laughs> <laughs> I wish I was paying attention <laughs> during that joke. Well, so- I. We're, <laughs> that, we're saying that, nothing. Oh, you have okay. a lot of raw sewage laying around. That's what we're saying.
4: So you could uh, with partnering with this industry, with <sighs> this company, you could save some energy. But yeah, I, I save mean, save some energy. Well, because they wouldn't, uh, I guess, conserve because they wouldn't use petroleum. They would use Tyler Shaw sewage. Um, but there's <laughs> lots of the. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs>
3: yuck it up, Jesse. <laughs>
4: Whoa, that's they got, they got really defensive and weird in here. But I'm gonna finish up the slice. Um, <laughs> it uh, the, the technology is still being developed, but it is showing some headway in, in petroleum. So everybody, save your raw sewage. Yeah, Sa-
1: save your raw <laughs> sewage because we might be able to convert it. Soon.
4: <laughs> Tyler's working on it.
1: Um, <laughs> some actually some big serious news came out this week. South Dakota has banned abortion. Uh, the governor, uh, Mike Rounds, signed a bill on Monday that bans nearly all abortions in the state. The only exception is if the w- the woman's life is literally in danger. It doesn't make any provisions for rape or anything like that. Uh, the new law defines life as originating, quote, at the time of conception. It's the first law that's done that. Uh, the The governor said, in the history of the world, the true test of a civilization is how well people treat the most vulnerable and most helpless in their society. The sponsors and supporters of this bill believe that abortion is wrong because unborn children are the most vulnerable and most helpless person in our society. I agree with them. Um, and then he also went on to say that the reversal of Supreme Court opinion is possible. The bill will give the U.S. Supreme Court a similar opportunity to reconsider an earlier opinion. So literally, when the when the Supreme Court went conservative, um, you know, a few weeks ago, they, you know, they just happened to be the first state to do it. They actually enacted this law to force it to be you know it's going to be sued it's going to be contested in court and it inevitably will end up in the supreme court and it is he's giving the supreme court the perfect opportunity to overturn roe versus wade
4: and the aclu is already raising a big stink about it
1: oh yeah planned parenthood is going ballistic uh the president cecile Richards, said planned parenthood will fight these attacks in court in the state houses and at the ballot boxes to ensure that women with their doctors and families, continue to be able to make personal health care decisions mm. without govern- government interference. Basically, the, the the law says that anyone who performs an abortion under any circumstance uh, can be charged with a felony punishable by up to five years in prison, but the mother cannot be charged. It's the person performing it. Hmm. So mm. Interesting. Hmm. It's very interesting, and I honestly thought that was going to be the thing we were going to talk about for a while instead right. of the uh, mute math thing. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, you know, it's a major landmark yeah thing that's happening right now in the political system so
3: you know what I'd like to see uh, as this is going on and as I'd like to see more of a push for adoption um, I feel that um, um, abortion isn't the only issue here I feel like if we're uh, if we're going to, to put a ban on abortion we need to point to a solution some, yeah An point to solution yeah. we need to really encourage those solutions
1: yeah it's sad to me that the fight is just literally that you know uh, so the government won't interfere in quote personal health care decisions you mm-hmm. know it's just like you know obviously I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian I'm, cons- I'm conservative morally and I, I believe that abortion's wrong that's my personal opinion and, you know, so I, I think this is a great thing, but I completely agree with you mm. that the last thing we want is abortions to go to the back alleys, you know, mm. and coat yeah. hangers and the worst situations that it could possibly be. We, you know, we really do. If you're going to shut off this option, they need to uh, push for an alternative. That's yeah. a great thought.
3: Because I think abortion is really a symptom. It's not it's not the disease. Right. Uh, right. I think we need to focus on, on the disease as well. No, not, that, not not literally a disease. Pregnancy is not a disease. I think there are <laughs> so an know an if your parents had that talk <laughs> with you. Or, uh. What? I gotta call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow,
1: pregnancy is a symptom of a disease <laughs> right. called pregnancy.
4: But does does that that, that brings up an interesting argument? Is that is that something that the government jobs to regulate? I mean, I know it's important that there should be some. Well, a lot
1: of governments do. I know, but it, well, but, the
2: government says you can't kill somebody. Yeah,
1: you. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not talking. You about also, it. can't marry a goat.
2: Right. <laughs> I'm well, really glad that there's a law against that. Well, I'm
4: not. I'm not talking about abortion, but I'm saying like setting up. I, I know that there should be like some federally backed thing for, with adoption, but I mean like when it comes to like you're saying like the bigger problem isn't is. Mm. You know, like is that the I mean, government's should government job. Should
2: government step in with the solution part?
4: Yeah, as far as like making people more moral.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but again, again, this is a this is a question. This is interesting on the heels of what Don Miller talked about last week. You know, uh, and even Derek Webb's song. You know, I don't necessarily want to legislate a Christian mm-hmm. society and all that. But to have a civilization, you have to have moral boundaries that are enforced by law, or else it would literally be. Uh, a Sodom and Gomorrah situation where there's Mm -hmm. every sort of disgusting thing going on It it would our entire society would crumble our society hasn't crumbled because abortion was enacted in 1973 but like Kara pointed out murder there is a boundary there if I have a grievance with you and want to kill you the government says I can't. Well, I, I'm not just talking
4: about I'm not talking about abortion. I'm saying like if abortion is is outlawed and and there's a, there's a bigger problem because there's no system set up as an alternative
2: for the unwanted babies.
4: Is that the government's job, or should it should it then put the the ball in the court of if if the this, is a, pro, yeah, if this yeah. is a problem? Yeah, if this is a problem, mm-hmm. then the the solution is a moral one, not a legislative one. Well, so
1: well, so let's say let's say abortion is outlawed. Well, then that is a prime opportunity for Christians for churches to step up with adoption. <laughs> causes and, yeah. and and alternatives for un- unplanned pregnancies and unwed mothers that is a great opportunity for social justice to kick in for people to care about our society you know uh, whether or not it happens I mean the church should be doing this anyway but you know this com- would put it to the forefront
3: I completely agree um, and but I also think that, that the government um, if the government is going to enact a law that would that would outlaw abortion I think that they should be involved in providing alternative providing alternatives as well i think that it's up to to us as the church no, no, not that, that the they would mandate
1: you have to do this right but they right, would but maybe they should, have more programs yeah. than mm-hmm. they have no. yeah yeah so you're a democrat
2: <laughs>
1: more programs
3: well i mean i think should to,
2: they take away the money to africa to start this new program tyler
3: yeah where are they gonna take it out of hmm. <laughs> and what are you talking about they're sending
1: billions to africa what The government. I didn't bring. No, that was Kara that said that.
3: You're no, I said. Me. Should
2: they take away money? From and
1: then Africa? you said, "I, I thought you were making the no. point that there was no money going to Africa." No, Sorry. no. Yeah, no.
4: That, that's a, what I was just saying earlier. Is like, is or more programs? Like, is that going to solve the problem as an alternative, or is it really a,
3: a problem with, you know, just people's moral perspective? It won't, in and of itself. I think that the, I think the problem with a lot of these. Um,
1: I think well, when, if if abortion is outlawed more. But, fewer babies will be killed that, that's true
2: the book for economics talks about the link between um abortions and like un- unwanted babies and the link to crime it, i mean it just came short of saying that there should be abortions or whatever to prevent you know crime later on in their life or whatever so i mean government would have an interest in um making sure there's some sort of you know system to make sure that every you know unwanted babies don't live horrible lives. And Mm -hmm. this is the irony
1: of the Republican and Democrat platforms Mm -hmm. because the Republicans are the ones wanting outlawed to outlaw abortion. And the Democrats are the ones who their economic policies are to have more social justice programs in place. Mm -hmm. And so here you have the Republicans wanting to, like you said, you know, end this thing, but not necessarily, it's not in their platform to enact more social justice programs under Mm -hmm. the government's direction. They want to cut down on those. Um, Republicans are for smaller government, lower taxes, less government interference in your life. Democrats are for more bigger government, more programs, Mm -hmm. more, more government subsidized um, economy and things like that. Okay. So you have the government, you have the Republicans pushing for this, creating a a situation that really it's the democratic platform would provide solutions for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be like, it's, it has to be a middle ground. Yeah. And Maybe we should all be libertarians like Derek Webb. Yes, exactly.
3: (laughs) Um, I tend to be somewhat left-leaning, but I think the biggest, my problem with, one of my bigger problems with with the Democratic Party is that it's just throwing money at things, but no follow-through. I think that, you know, we, I think that there, there are certain things that the government does need to have programs for and does need to support financially, but... Creating a program, giving something money in and of itself is not going to solve anything. There has to be follow through. There has to be real dedication. There has to be um, a real uh, long term personal initiative. Um, And I just I don't think throwing money at things is is the answer. And so I again, it's there. There's a middle ground.
1: Well, when I get interviewed uh, by mainstream press about Relevant and this kind of the audience we represent. So everybody listening I'm speaking for you uh, um, the way I describe our audience is morally conservative but socially progressive it's it's it really isn't Republican or Democrat. It really is a more centric um, centered um, perspective on social issues and governmental issues, mm-hmm. and it really isn't left or right yeah it's it's kind of like we kind of see kind of pros and cons in both you know and this is this would be case in point you know morally I'm conservative I'm I'm against abortion but by being a little bit more socially progressive I would like to see an alternative be put in place Mm -hmm. if you're going to remove that you know you need to provide something that would create a positive end result
3: yeah my fear with it is is that we can't just push it under the rug you know
1: yeah Yeah, or else you're going to have back alley abortions you're going to have crime you're going to have really bad things happening yeah all right well that was heavy um do we have any lighter slices to <laughs> talk about now? Uh, yes, in fact, we do, Cameron. What? Um,
3: how about This Week in Willie? You're bringing it back. I'm bringing it. Well, it never went, really went away. Didn't last um, week. I thought we retired away? it. No, didn't we? Did,
1: did we? I think we skipped it last week because there was no Willie news. No, I thought,
3: the, I thought the, news was that, um, the news was that Willie Nelson had been in the news for the last That three was two weeks ago. That yeah. was two weeks ago. Was it?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, dang
1: it. We missed last week. But we'll bring it back. We'll Anyhow, pre- we'll, we'll pretend this one like about it never went away.
3: Will Ferrell.
1: Hmm. hmm. Willie um, Farrell.
3: Willie Farrell, who um I take it most of you guys probably saw him on the Oscars with uh Steve Carell, one of the one of the funnier parts of the Oscars. <laughs> the only funny part. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh did you notice they spelled his name wrong when he walked out and they had like up on the big screen. It's two R's two L's, right? Um yeah, it's it's uh yeah, two R's two L's, but they they spelled it with two Rs, two L's, but it also has two E's and it said they spelled it with an A and F oh. A R R E L L
1: That's Farrell.
3: Yep. Um, I don't know. So so That's what's the weird. news? That they misspelled his name. Oh. But then he, oh. The oh, Oscars the, had a typo? Yeah, That's a true a, editorial yeah. news. <laughs> it was the best it's thing I could find about any sort of thing. It makes of, uh, us Will feel Ferrell better thing. about ourselves. Yeah, right? Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Oscars had a typo. That puts our typos to shame.
3: <laughs> but then uh, uh, Will Ferrell said afterward, he said, um, it's over now, but it's like, come on, Oscars. It's not that hard to spell check. Which ironically is the same thing we said to Jesse. Oh. Ooh.
1: He's dyslexically <laughs> Yeah, Tyler. He it has a look r- on his face.
3: It, it
4: looks
1: look right hurt, to right. him. <laughs> 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 wah wah! All right, that'll do it for slices. Uh, up next, the feedback that you gave us about Don Miller. <laughs> You're listening to Head Automatica. The song is Beating Heart Baby. It's awesome. I love that jam. It's awesome. It is absolutely incredible and is currently playing on Relevant.TV. Tune in and listen and watch. All right. You wrote us. We asked you to write us, and you didn't disappoint, about um, thoughts about Don Miller's interview the last two weeks here at the Relevant Podcast. And uh, we just wanted to read you some highlights from some of these emails and um, make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um Ben Irwin wrote in and said i 'm not a pacifist. I believe there are times when military force is the only appropriate way to respond to a threat, but Miller is right. Christians should be the first to pursue peace, and the very last ones to give up on peace as a viable option. Uh, he goes on to say, the hard part is i 'm no longer a detached spectator when it comes to the war in Iraq. Last week, my older brother boarded a c one thirty bound for the Baghdad airport since then i 've learned something new." For those of us who opposed the war in Iraq, it's all too easy to feel this sickening, smug satisfaction every time something goes wrong over there. Every car bomb becomes another I told you so. Only now every car bomb, every insurgent attack could be my brother. Mm. Wow. Maybe being a Christian means praying for peace before, during, and after the war.
2: Mm, that's good. Brooke Irwin says, usually when listening to the podcast or reading your magazine, I have to catch myself when I start agreeing with everything you're saying without really thinking about it. Um, she Because
1: we slip, slip in a lot of heresy. So right, right. Keep you on your toes. Yeah.
2: Uh, when listening to Don Miller, I found myself agreeing with him left and right. I caught myself, then re-listened to the podcast, then applied it to scripture. I tip my hat to him, can't wait to get a hold of his book. I guess I'm the only one who hasn't read it.
1: She is. Actually, several emails we yeah. got. I seriously got, I, I saw a lot of emails that said, well, now I'm going to have to go buy his book. <laughs> so you're welcome, Don Miller.
4: You can send us royalty checks. <laughs> yep. I'm sure they're in the mail. I got, I got one from Amber Tilson, who says, you don't happen to have a transcript of the Don Miller interview, do you? Uh, the answer is no. A- Amber, if you would like to write one, we'd love to get our hands on it. <laughs> I mean, he said some good stuff in there. Um, so Feel free. Yeah. True. Editorial at relevantmagazine.com.
1: Again, another one of those emails. We got a lot of emails asking mm-hmm. for the transcript. And, and we have other things that we need to be doing. So, yeah, Sorry.
4: Or or if anyone's, you know, kind of a satellite internship, this would be a great first project. You know, we just put you yeah, on Yeah,
2: anybody it can go back and listen to it as many times as they want. They just so, yeah. keep
1: hitting pause every fifth word. If you, you know? want to
3: transcribe it for us, um, we'll mention you in person on the podcast. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Little incentive. Um, Adam Clark, uh, no relation to me.
1: Because uh, that's immediately what we all thought of. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. Right? What? what is, is, that, that is that Tyler's cousin? <laughs> <laughs> is he reading his cousin's email?
2: Again? <laughs>
1: No, this is Clark with an E at the
3: end. so it. You know, yeah, Clarky. Actually, Adam, it
1: might be a typo from the Oscars.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Will Farrell wrote in and said, uh, I get scared of the s yes and them attitude that seems S&M to- S&M attitude? <laughs> us versus them Whoa, attitude. Oh, yeah. Dude,
1: read it right, man. You said <laughs> S&M attitude. Uh, no,
3: uh, you guys got to get your minds out what of the What
4: podcast is he listening to?
3: <laughs> Anyhow, he said, cool. I get scared of the us versus them attitude that seems to ooze out of the Christian church. Uh, my wife and my my wife and my small group, uh, have been studying the book of Ephesians and through that book, book. yeah, uh, we didn't publish it, uh, through (laughs) through that book, Paul has so much to say about the character of Christ, the church and Christians, all of it, all of which seems so opposite from the right, right with might attitude from
1: the Christian culture as a whole in this country, not to mention our government. Thank you for a good podcast. Courtney Eason wrote in and said, I really think Don Miller and sometimes you guys give Republicans like myself a hard time. I really feel like we're put into this little box of being closed minded, let's lock up all the dang homosexuals, warmongers, as soon as we share the fact that we are Republicans. I like that description. That's good. Um, As I was listening to Don Miller, I found that I agreed with everything he said. Uh, accept his views on our reason for going to war. I don't like the war, but I don't agree with his views on why we're over there. All side of the political spectrums uh, could use a lot of improvement when it comes to being more Christ-like, not just Republicans. Don't bash us Republicans just because we're trying to take over the world and raise the American flag in every country. Another joke, she said. Anyway, that's
4: Courtney. (laughs) That reminds me of a joke I heard on The Simpsons where Homer starts converting people, and he's having a meeting, and Flanders comes over, but doesn't want Flanders there, and he's like, what are you doing, Homer? He's like, having a meeting for the gay witches for abortion.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I got, that's a good little Simpsons reference. I have one from Andrew who says, I particularly agree with uh, Miller's discussion of homo- the homosexual issue and the church is needed to respond to it. How do we respond to the proverbial, quote-unquote, homosexual agenda? Essentially by loving them. We offer them the gospel of Jesus, first lived out, and then— with words if it proves necessary. We must love those we disagree with. We must love our enemies. This is the call of Jesus, and Miller is serving mightily, as herald that call. It's from Andrew.
1: Do you guys remember last week we mentioned the guy who wrote in and said Don Miller might be the Antichrist, and Mm -hmm. he bleeped out the letter I. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote back. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I wrote him. I wrote him. I replied and said, hey, care to elaborate? Because this this would be good fodder. I mean, this is good stuff, you know? Um, he wrote back and he said, honestly, with that statement, I, um, I was alluding to the article by Terry Lee Cobble on Bono. <laughs> if, if you don't get that reference, uh, we had an article uh, about the uh, idolization of Bono um, in the 850 newsletter we do. You should sign up at Rollamagazine.com. Anyway, but Mr., uh, Mr. Miller has really become a Christian idol in some circles. Don't get me wrong. I love what he said. I've loved a couple of his books and I'm sure he's a cool guy. So on his part, I think he's doing great. I think it's our subculture that needs the help with idolizing. I know people who've been reading his books multiple times, quote him every day and dream of marrying him. (laughs) People make mistakes. Jesus doesn't follow him, not him. And he wrote, he wrote again. And he said, um, he wanted to explain why he underscored the I in Uh Antichrist. (laughs) Turns out he's currently studying in China for a semester and wanted to make sure that we got the email um, interesting. He he said you've heard about the firewalls here? Your site's definitely banned. Hmm. But at least wow. your email works. So, do all our Chinese listeners <laughs> which apparently there are none. Well, can he listen
4: can he listen to the podcast just yeah, not
1: go I to the guess ma- so. magazine site? Yeah, it probably got, gets it through iTunes or something. So, thanks for writing us from China. China, which, Daniel.
3: That's interesting cuz it ties into this week's 850 as well, um with the uh the Blue Like Jazz Boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um
1: which is not a negative thing no it's not, not no. We, we Don like Miller that. and I are now friends
3: um, I have one that kind of ties into that one as well it says it's from some she's calling herself anonymous Lucy but I see her name at the top of the email <laughs> I know I know who you really are
1: but the name at the top of the email sounds really fake read it um <laughs>
3: Makade Pennycook Anybody with a last name (laughs) 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 Pennycook
1: Hello Mr. Pennycook (laughs) Hello I'm McKenzie Pennycook Isn't there a character
2: In Blue Light Jazz Named Penny That he That Donald's in love with Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. unrequited love Remember
4: that Remember that Seinfeld Where uh, Kramer was JG Pennyworth (laughs)
2: Yes (laughs) (laughs) He was
1: He was a um, An investor for what? Peru it, importing, exporting. No, that was a different. No, JJ Pennyworth, where he was going to go down to Peru, and yeah. he, he was going to. He took all the little bags out of the Peruvian clothes. I, yeah, I think and we need to have a new.
4: He
3: dropped it in the salsa. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a new section of the podcast that's just Jesse's favorite sitcom
1: moments.
0: Because <laughs> we got this two and the
3: Simpsons. Speaking
1: of which, we, Jesse and I were watching Night Rider last night. Um, it was awful. It was painful. It was painfully bad. So bad, I would classify it now as a sitcom. It was, la- oh. it was that laughable. Wow. It was horrible.
2: They didn't even know it.
1: Wait, but sitcoms now aren't very laughable. Ugh. So this is like
3: the uber sitcom. Did anybody mm. see Sons and Daughters? We oh. uh, recorded it. Uh, I haven't watched it. I, I watched both
1: of them watched them. How, what was the what's the outcome? Um, it was difficult at first because, you know, you watch, you watch like, obviously, Waiting for Guffman and some of these that are outlined but not scripted and it's a lot of improv. I mean, and they're so flawless. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just incredible, best in show, and all those. So you kind of have that expectation, right? And then you, you know, then you kind of weave in the improv comedy. You know, you kind of have that pacing. You know, you kind of have. So this is my expectation going into it. I, I liked it, but it definitely wasn't the thing I had hoped it would be. Yeah. Well.
4: I was gonna say, "Free Ride" is same thing. It's yeah. it's outlined, and like I didn't think it was hilarious, and it, but I did think it has potential. You know, I thought the characters needs, were funny. Free
1: Ride needs to settle down. This is trying way too hard at yeah. the beginning. Yeah.
3: Wait, Free Ride's not scripted?
1: No, it's
4: a huh. four-page outline, and they improv all the dialogue.
1: This, this one, um, Sons and Daughters, the first, the second one was better than the first one. They were continuous. I mean, there were two episodes, mm-hmm. but they, the the storyline wove through, and it felt. I honestly felt like the more familiar you got with the characters because the whole thing is that it's this really large fragmented weird family of half brothers, sisters, this person's ex married that. And this. Are they the bluths <laughs> honestly more complex and bigger than that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you've, you, the first one, you're just trying to keep up with who's who mm-hmm. and, and they're like, some people are overacting and overreacting. You just kind of like going, I don't, I'm not connecting yet. I'm hoping it turns into a rest of development where it's just fast and weird and quirky <laughs> and hilarious I'm hoping. Yeah. But it, it could go there. It could it could be one of those shows that you watch the pilot two years from now and kind of laugh at like the Seinfeld pilot yeah. where you're just going, Man, they didn't that know the whole their, first season. They was, didn't know their characters no,
3: yeah. yet, you know. I watched the uh the Pilot of Scrubs uh, last week, and it was the same way. Where Scrubs is now such a weird, quirky, fun show. In the first episode, you're like, oh gosh, I wouldn't have watched this. That's
1: like Grey's Anatomy. And,
4: and even like The Simpsons, like their early, they early, one of the animation mm-hmm. was terrible, but it was like, it's so, it was like the whole, the whole, the punchline was, holy cow, or what, you know, it was like,
1: hi, caramba.
4: Yeah, that was like the big punchline, the zinger, it, you know. I
1: think, don't have a cow, man.
4: I
3: think yeah, that's yeah. Saying, <laughs> I did, yeah. T- t- Holy cow. <laughs> holy uh, that <laughs> holy w- cow. That was. Harry Carey, uh, I think you were
1: watching a Cubs game. <laughs> um, I have an email here. This one's actually literally my favorite. The last one I read talked about how all these people want to marry Don. We got several emails. Oh, that's,
3: that's the one that I was going to read. That's, she just, Go ahead and read yours.
1: She said, um, I love Don Miller, and if I could find out where Oregon was, I would marry Don Miller. I have one here from Lori Rutherford um, <laughs> who says other things, but she ends it with, I don't know about you, but Donald Miller is hot. Yeah, hot with two T's. There's something about humility, wisdom, humor, and raw honesty that is just darn attractive. I well, just want th- you to know, I forwarded this email to Don.
4: <laughs> I was going to say, does she listen to the podcast and hear the other guys? Because I think we represent those qualities every week, Lori. But I, I mean, we're taken, but I'm just saying. So you know?
1: So I forwarded this to Don. He wrote back and he goes, yet another email with no picture. That's what he said. <laughs> 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 so, Lori, your email was read by Don Miller. So that'll do it for your feedback. Um... Up next, the relevant update. You're listening to Supergrass. The song is St. Petersburg, not to be confused with Tampa. Sister Cities. <laughs> Sister Cities across the bay. Uh there um it's a really good video. It's playing right now on relevant TV. The lineup this week is
4: really good with the yeah, videos.
1: Yeah, really digging it. Um at the end of the podcast you're gonna hear Enon, the song is Daughter in the House of Fools, which is Jesse's childhood at home. <laughs> Thanks. They oh they don't boy. listen, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and Rele- relevant update the big news is the Radiant Magazine release party. Uh, Lee Nash, cover girl Lee Nash, that doesn't sound right. It's true.
4: Yeah, she is on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Call
3: it what it is. I don't know.
1: Cover girl Lee Nash. She's um, she's performing. Bringing some musicians with her. She's performing at the show at the at the event. It's in downtown Orlando at the dmac which is a really cool gallery and cinema that we're renting out for the evening. And it's on March 27th from 7 to 10 p.m um you can go to radiantmag.com slash party for specifics directions stuff like that also there you can get a sneak preview of the first cover mm-hmm. it's the first place that anybody will see it actually go check that out if you can come we'd love to have you um relevant fans radiant fans alike it's gonna be a great show um we're expecting you know there's a few hundred it's gonna be f- close friends and family it's gonna be good but the public is inviting we'd love to have you so you can contact us at radiantmag.com slash party as well if you have any questions about the event. All right, so that'll do it for updates of Editorial Question of the Week. Here's the jingle.
2: Editorial Question of the Week. Hey. Next week on the podcast, we're going to have a special guest, Craig Gross from Triple X Church Ministry will be here. So send us your questions for Craig about X Church Ministry or anything that they talk about, porn Porn, addiction, addiction. they have, um, Craig has a book with us called the gutter. It's all about, um, you know, you know, coming out of your comfort zone to do ministry the way that, that God calls us to, whether that's, you know, in whatever sector of the world that you work or live or, you know, going to a place that, um, is kind of a, a gutter spiritually.
1: Yep. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And he's going to be here, yeah, next week. So write us in with any questions. Write to editorial at relevantmagazine.com. Any questions you have for Craig Gross. Also, one thing I want to mention is uh, a special live audio chat online that Don Miller and Derek Webb are having together. You know, I think they just heard the relevant podcast and thought, man, there was so much synergy there. We need to talk. So um, March 14th, which is next week, at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Uh, You can go to DerekWebChat.com or DonMillerChat.com and listen in to the two of them talking. That's just a live uh, internet? A live internet one-time thing on March
2: 14th. Oh, we're bringing people together.
1: Isn't that funny? I mean, it, obviously, it's because Derek has a new album and Don has a, a, has a new book and some marketing guru came up with the idea, mm-hmm. but I just think it's really funny. I wonder they where they last got the idea. Yeah. Mm. Andy DeBreathe will be playing in the studio. <laughs> 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 and Craig, Craig Gross West will be on West the right. next chat, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's it for the relevant update. Um, so thanks for listening. I'm Cameron Strang.
2: Happy birthday Day to
1: you.
4: Oh,
2: God. Happy, Happy birthday to you.
1: All right, stop. This is disturbing. My birthday's on March 15th. So. That's, and, and, and how old will you be? 30 years old.
2: Uh-oh. Thirty's no. the new 20.
4: What, what <laughs> <laughs> But we're a 20-something magazine. 18 to 34,
1: my friend. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I've got four <laughs> years before I have to sell. And retire like the Thomas Nelson guy. It- <laughs> <laughs> for
4: $90 million once you get the Age of Irrelevance. <laughs>
1: well, thanks for the song. That was very sweet. So March 15th, you can email me, send me gifts. 100 South Lake Disney Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32810. I like action figures. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Kara. I'm Tyler Clark. I'm Jesse. <laughs> we'll see you next week.